We might summarise what the health service generally does when we have issues that adversely affect on health care as we um, collect and analyse the data, we listen to patients and staff to better understand the data, we examine the literature and we look for good practice around that issue within our own organisations or elsewhere and we seek to apply and adapt and set up a learning loop based upon uh, what we learn. In my 10 minutes I want to suggest that we have to take a similar approach to discrimination in the workforce governance and leadership of the NHS since the evidence is clear that such discrimination impacts on healthcare. So some data first. In London where 41% of the staff and 45% of communities come from BME, black and minority ethnic backgrounds, I found last year that 17 of the 40 trusts in London had no uh, BME representation. In fact, there were more accountants on the boards of London Trust than there were BME people. Just 8% of board members were from BME backgrounds in London. If you take the boards of the three Camden Trusts that surround this area... <coughs> Uh, all 40 members of those three boards, that's the UCLH, Whittington and Royal Free, are white. 70% are male. Uh, it doesn't look like the bus stops in Camden or the staff on their wards. Women are about four-fifths, generally, of the NHS uh, workforce. Let's touch on some of that. And in London last year, they made up 22% of chief executives and just 35% of chairs. If you look at the really snow-white peaks of the NHS, NHS England, CQC, Monitor and the TDA, there's not one BME executive directors. There are two non-executives. You heard from Victor, one of them, this morning. And if you put their boards together, there are 32 men, 19 women, 49 white people and two black people. The last eight years of its existence, the Appointments Commission appointed twice as many men as women to trust boards and about 7%, only 70% of its nominations were from BME or disabled backgrounds. Simon Stevens was asked this morning, where are the next generation of leaders to come from? I think they're out there. They just need the opportunity to show what they can do. The NHS has been sustained and created by generations of people whose backgrounds are outside England. So a generation of Irish nurses were the cornerstone of the NHS for many years. Generations subsequently of BME staff followed them and are amongst us today. But the NHS has a, a poor record in treating staff who, uh, are, unless they are male, pale, straight and don't have any disabilities. The evidence overwhelmingly from trust workforce reports, and I've looked at a couple of hundred of them, especially when triangulated with the National Staff Survey data, demonstrates conclusively a pattern of systemic discrimination by every indicator from the top to the bottom of the NHS. For example, across the NHS, it's 1.76 times more likely that a white person who's been shortlisted will be appointed 
compared to a black person who's been shortlisted. Why did no system leader, actually apart from Vivian, ask why? Why is this important? Well, it's important because <clears throat> discrimination in the workforce governance and leadership of the health service is not just bad for staff, but it's bad for seven reasons for patient care. So I want to briefly take you through them. Firstly, if the protected characteristics of applicants prevent them from being uh, appointed or promoted, that potentially prevents patients getting the best staff and is a waste of talent. Secondly, if discrimination adversely affects turnover, absenteeism, morale and discretionary effort, as the work of West and Dawson and others suggests is the case, then there's a cost for employers and it divides resources from patient care. We touched on patient stories this morning. Let me give you two very quick ones. I had a coffee with three, three nurses and a midwife from BMB background about six weeks ago. Uh, there was 123 years service between them. All four have told their children not to go and work in the NHS based on their own experiences. Another example, a chief executive who I spoke with last year, my suggestion, called a meeting of BME staff to discuss their concerns. And he told me afterwards it was the most distressing meeting of his life with half the staff there at one point or other in the meeting crying. Thirdly, discrimination, including for senior managers and leaders, makes staff ill with a cost to the NHS as well as to them, as the excellent report from Marla Rao showed last year. And if you haven't read it, I suggest you might benefit from doing so. Fourthly, research by Bennington, Cox and Blake, Chambers and others shows conclusively that diversity in leadership is good for innovation. McKinsey showed earlier this year that ethnicity, ethnically and gender diverse organisations are likely to significantly outperform those that are not. If we want different thinking, we need diverse leaderships. Fifthly, discrimination is a patient safety issue. Kim and I know each other well. We asked Robert Francis to interrogate the 20,000 responses to his review of whistleblowing by ethnicity. If you read Appendix D2 of that report, it shows that, uh, as Vivian's touched on, uh, by every measure, BME whistleblowers are treated even worse than white whistleblowers. A number, just 3% of BME whistleblowers were thanked for raising a concern. 3%. King's Fund... Boards that are not diverse and open to challenge are less likely to ask why this is the case and do something about it. The King's Fund Culture Survey of 2014 talked about the parallel discourse on many issues between frontline staff and their board leaders. And I want to suggest that that parallel discourse also exists between the experience of frontline uh, leadership BME staff and their boards if they fail to acknowledge and address the discrimination that many staff suffer. Sixthly, unrepresentative boards are less likely to provide or commission patient care that's sensitive to local communities, and as the work of Selway and others shows, that applies to CCGs as well as to trusts. And finally, and perhaps most importantly, is the work of West, Dawson, Mary Dixon, Woods and others, which showed, and I quote, 
Bullying, discrimination and overwork lead to disengagement and are likely to deprive staff of the emotional resources to deliver compassionate care. And they found a strong negative correlation between harassment, bullying or abuse from other staff and the overall patient experience. And in particular, they found that this is true for the treatment of BME staff. And again, I quote from Dawson in 2009, the staff survey item that was most consistently strongly linked to patient survey scores was discrimination, and in particular discrimination on the basis of ethnic background. West, 2012, research suggests the experience of BME NHS staff is a good barometer of the climate of respect and care for all within the NHS. Staff who are cared for care better for patients. Boards and system leaders need to understand and act on this powerful evidence, as the best trusts are already do, doing, but they are a minority. The case for workforce race equality in the NHS is now not just about the treatment of BME staff, it's about the care of all patients, irrespective of their ethnicity. That's why the new workforce race equality standard seeks to drive evidence-based inquiry and change, and I hope that approach will eventually be adopted for other characteristics, protected characteristics within the NHS. 2010, in his report on Mid-Staffordshire, Robert Francis said about culture within parts of the NHS in words that might equally apply to discrimination, that, quote, there lurks within the system an institutional instinct which under pressure will prefer concealment, formulaic responses and avoidance of public criticism. But I do see some signs of change. Sometimes it feels like push, pushing water up a hill. But, for example, at Barts, where staff have long taken the view that there is institutional uh, discrimination, the outgoing chair told his board on February the 4th this year, item 1215 of the minutes, if you want to check, that, he, that there is discri race discrimination in the NHS and in this trust. Ending denial or avoidance is the first step to good practice and numbers of trusts prompted by the workforce race equality standard in part are starting to do just that including I have to say the trusts whose boards are represented there. So to conclude openness, transparency, candour, challenge, inquiry, learning and a just culture are just as important around equality and discrimination as they are on patient safety and other issues. Good NHS leaders know that boards that collude in discrimination in their own workforce composition or governance are likely to fail not just their staff but their patients too. And the challenge is to ensure that all boards, all boards understand that's the case. Thank you.